lucky as we are. What a great day to see you today. Thank you so much for coming by and uh, celebrating with us. It's been a great morning so far. This is our uh, second service that we've offered today. We had a terrific crowd in the 9 a.m. service. In fact, I turned to someone and I said, I should have had better faith than I did because I wasn't expecting quite the crowd that we had, uh, but we had a terrific crowd. And now a good crowd today. I had said something about filling these front seats, and I said, you know, I think what we're going to have to do to get people to move forward is we're going to have to tape a $100 bill underneath one of these seats and then do a drawing for a couple of weeks, and then we'll fake you out. We won't do it anymore after that, but you'll think we are, so you'll move up. Brandon Roberts said before the service, he said, no, nah. he said, if you're going to do that, he said, I may see if my family can sit up front with me. But to put your mind at ease, there are no $100 bills under the seats today. I don't care. I really don't care where you're sitting. I'm just glad that you're here today. I had a great time at 10 o'clock in the back building. We had a, an extravaganza where we uh, ministered to our kids. We had an Easter egg hunt and uh, they played several games. Did you see the one back there? If you went back there, the one where they were putting a wooden egg into a little hole? I tried that, and it was disastrous. It did not work well for me. See, he's frustrated as I am about not being able to get that little egg in the hole. But at any rate, we had a great time, and we thank you for coming and spending the morning with us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ I see, see a lot of faces that I haven't seen for a while, and we welcome you today. I'm glad to see you back. And uh, for those of you who come regularly, I'm excited that you are here as well. It's a good day. Amen. It's going to be cold tonight, they tell me, but that's all right. It's warm now, and that's all that matters. I'm glad you came. So make yourself at home, and let's celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ today. I told the early service today, Easter is one of my favorite times of the year. I love the holiday because of what it represents. It represents resurrection. It re represents a new opportunity. It, it, it represents breaking out of a place where we have once dwelled and lived and having an opportunity for new things. I like, I like New Year's for that very reason. Because it's just, you know, whatever happened in the past, it's kind of done, it's gone, it's over. I don't have to worry about it anymore, and I can start again. I like springtime, too, because you can look outside and everything looks dead. How many of you noticed I had my truck stuck in the backyard last Sunday when you came to church? It's because it was so wet, I couldn't get the, a dumb me pulled into the backyard and then could not get out. And so I had to have Joe Russ come and pull me out. And you know how just it, Joe is. Once he does something for you, you never hear the end of it. And he talks about how dumb that I was for doing it in the first place. But, but this week, our trees have begun to bud just a little bit. And there's some white flowers on them and some green that's breaking loose. And I, I don't know, it just, it just makes me feel good. I, I'm old enough now that I talk to the TV every now and again. And now when the weather makers, when they get, or the weather uh, prognosticators get on and tell us what it's going to be, I just, I start talking to the TV and say, look, I don't receive that anymore. I'm not having that. No more rain, no more snow. I'm not going to have it. But you know how it is. God uh, sends us the weather that we need and we have it whether I want it or not. 
But I like springtime because it represents newness. It represents new opportunities. And for me, that is what Easter is all about. I love the fact that Jesus rose again. And because he did, I have opportunities in my life that I couldn't have any other way. Amen? And so I'm thankful that you came to celebrate that with us today. You know, if I were to just recite the facts of Easter to you, most of you in this room would be able to know what Easter is all about. You know the story. God created the heavens and the earth, and and he began building this earth, and then he made man in his own image. And he told them, he said, look, you can eat of any tree in the garden but this one. But you know what mankind did. They decided to go their own way, and they decided to eat off of the tree that was restricted. You know, for many of us, we'd think, well, you know, I bet God was surprised by that, don't you think? I bet God kind of scratched his head and said, now, I told them not to do that. Why in the world would they do something that I told them not to do? But God was not taken by surprise because the scripture introduces Jesus to us and he said, and the scripture says that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. So God knew from the very beginning that we were going to need a savior. And God knew that there was only one qualified to do so and it was his only begotten son. That's the reason we're told in John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world. That's you and me, by the way, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Aren't you glad we can be saved today because of Jesus Christ? But sin just kind of spread throughout the earth. And, and you know, in the Old Testament, they had to come to the house of God with sacrifices. And they'd, <clears throat> they'd bring a lamb with them, or they'd bring a bullock, or they'd bring a turtle dove or something along that line. And they'd go uh, to the priest, and they would present these animals to them. And the priest would have to kill that animal and put it on the altar of sacrifice. And, and they had to do it at certain times of the year and, and in certain ways. It couldn't be done just any old way. It had to be done a particular way. And we read about how in the Old Testament that they were under the bondage of the law, that that they were required to bring these sacrifices for their sin. But the bad news was is that even when they sacrificed for their sins, at best it was a temporary arrangement. It could not pay the price for the sins of the world on a permanent scale. It required a Savior to do that. And so all through the Old Testament, we see people bringing sacrifices for their sin, thinking that they had to do this, and they had to do that, and they had to present this, and they had to shed that blood, and this was required of them, and that was required of them. And the law was just very difficult to fulfill, and even when it was fulfilled, it was always temporary. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go through that today? Aren't you glad that there was a Savior who came to us and into this world and gave his life, shed his blood so that you and I 
could be washed clean from our sins. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior today, I have good news for you. You are saved. You are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You no longer have to worry about what happened yesterday or the day before or last year or last week or last month or whenever it was because once you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Scripture says that the sins of your life are removed from you as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you again. Amen. How many of you today, you've got some things that you don't want to have to worry about anymore. Are you glad they're gone? If you are, give the Lord praise today. They're gone. And so, well, how could he love me? The scripture says he loved you with an everlasting love and that nothing that you do can separate you from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, spouses can come and go, and kids can come and go, friends can come and go, but the love of Jesus Christ will never come and go. It is always ours for all time. I'm thankful for that today. And then we move into the New Testament, and we discover that God had decided that the Old Testament law wouldn't work for a New Testament covenant. So he sent Jesus Christ, and he went, and he hung upon a cruel cross at Calvary. And on that day, when he said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. The sins of the world are covered. Then they put him in a tomb and he laid there for a day. His body did. But listen, he was not dead the way that we think about being dead because he was very active. He was preparing things that only he could do so that eternity could be sure. And so he was very active uh, on that dark Saturday when everything, everyone thought that it was, he was dead and gone. But I'm glad to know. That on the third day, on Sunday morning, as we recognize it, that he came out of that grave. The, the stone was rolled away. And when they went to look and see if he was there, you know the story. His body was not there, but a messenger from heaven was there who told them, said, Why look ye here, gazing for him? He's not here. He is risen just as he said. Amen. I'm glad that he's alive and that he is well. He was seen by many witnesses, hundreds of them, in fact, to know. But you know, even in the midst of, uh, of what we know is true, there's, there's bound to be an, a doubter or two around. How many of you know that's true? Even Thomas, he said, hey, I can't believe this unless I see it with my own eyes. And the scripture says that Jesus appeared unto Thomas and he let him feel the holes in his hands uh, and in his feet and in his side. And Thomas said, oh Lord, I believe you are my Lord and my God. But Jesus said something like this. He said, Thomas, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. Amen. I'm glad today that we can believe by faith. And then to prove that he was not dead, he ascended into the heavenlies uh, where the scripture says he is alive forevermore, where he makes intercession for the saints of God. What does that mean? That means that whenever you need him, he is there for you. Whenever you need an intercessor, he will jump up and get busy on your behalf and bless you in the way that only he can.
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a Savior. I'm thankful that he has resurrected and that he is alive. But now, you know, we, we think about that. And we know that is true, at least we Christians do. We believe that all of that is true. So how are we going to respond to that? That would be my question to you today. How are you going to respond to the truth of the gospel? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to apply it to your life? I would like to suggest that there are three zones that you can live in when it comes to applying this truth to your life. And the first one is what I'm calling negative Jesus. Negative Jesus. Now, here's what I mean by that. Did you know that there are people in this world that they, they, they know who Jesus is? They've heard the name of Jesus. They know how to spell it. They know what Jesus is all about. They understand that Jesus is, is the foundation of the Christian faith. They understand that, but they have chosen by an act of their will to put Jesus and set him aside and to say, well, I don't know if it's true or not. I certainly don't intend to commit my life to something that I am not certain of. And so they choose to live the remainder of their life by putting him aside, by putting the truth of the gospel aside. Atheists fall into this category and they decide that, well, there is no God or I choose not to believe in a God. So they live their life every day with the idea that this character that we know as Jesus is not relevant to my life and therefore I am not going to trust him with my life. It may be that some of you here today are in that category. It may be that you're living in that zone. It may be that the only reason that you're here today is because mom or dad asked you to come to church. It may be that you're here today just because someone invited you and you decided that you'd come, but you don't really believe it. Uh, you believe in the Easter eggs and you, you kind of like the bunny suit and all of that, but you've not come uh, to the place where you're willing to say that I do believe that this man Jesus is who he says he is uh, and I'm going to invite him into my life. And so people live that way negative Jesus. Did you know that the majority of the people in this world will live in this zone for the majority of their lives, if not for their entire life? You see, there are far more people in the world today who will reject Jesus than will receive him. That's a fact. And so we have to understand that while we talk about this, it seems foreign to us because we're believers. We have committed our lives to him. We trust our lives to him. But the majority of the people on the face of the earth will live their lives right here in this zone, negative Jesus. But then there's a second zone that I want to point out to you this morning. Not only is there a negative Jesus zone for you to live in, but there's what I will call a plus Jesus. Now, here's what I mean by that. Did you know that it's possible to call yourself a Christian, but the only reason that you really want to be a Christian is because of what it will add to your life? And even then, you don't want a full dose of Jesus because you know that if you get a full dose of Jesus, 
then it may require that you live differently than you are currently living. But listen, I want to tell you today that the Bible describes this zone as a zone that we refer to as being lukewarm. We believe Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We act like we love him. We act like we serve him. But the truth of the matter is, is that the only time that we really interact with Jesus is when we need something from him. And so we live our lives with the thought that I'm going to believe him but I'm only going to take a little bit of him as I need him. So I'll come on Sundays and I'll listen to the preacher preach and I'll listen to the singers sing. I may even give a little bit of money in the offering. But when it comes Monday, it's back to living the way that I've always lived before. It's back to living without him having an influence upon my life. I'm going to, I'm going to believe him, but I'm only going to take a little bit of him. It's like the old hair gel for men. It was called Brill Cream. How many of you remember that? And they'd always had this commercial and say, a little dab will do you. In other words, it didn't take a whole lot for it to hold your hair in place. I know some little dab will do you Christians. How about, how about you? They just want a little dab of Jesus. They don't mind me being the pastor, but when I have to tell them something that they don't want to hear, then all of a sudden it's like, no, I don't need that. I don't want that from you. I don't want that kind of instruction in my life. I just want a little dab of Jesus. <clears throat> I don't want enough of him that it will change my life. I just want enough of him that it'll make me feel good. I just want enough of him that I can shindig every now and then and tell everybody, yeah, I'm a child of God. I just want enough of Jesus uh, that I can put some bumper stickers on the back of my car that says, God is my co-pilot. Uh, I want some fish swimming on the back of the trunk of my car, but I'm not going to really act like Jesus wants me to act. I'm not going to really live like Jesus wants me to live. I'm just going to say I'm a Christian and I'm going to live in that to the place of my comfort zone. But if Jesus tries to move me out of my comfort zone, then I'm going to find another way to live. I'm telling you the truth today. That's plus Jesus. Well, you know, I, I don't really normally need Jesus until I'm sick in my body. And then I remember that somebody said that he is a healer. That by his stripes we are healed. I probably ought to go to church Sunday. Maybe I can get somebody to lay hands on me and pray for me. And so I go to church, not knowing that if you lived in a different zone, one that I'm going to tell you about in just a few minutes, you wouldn't have to find your way to church. You wouldn't have to call somebody and ask them to lay hands on you. You'd have the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit living within you so that you could just lay hands on yourself and say, by his stripes, I am healed. So I, I need the Lord to give me a little financial miracle. But I don't really want to give him anything. I don't really want to pay tithe. I don't really want to bless anybody else when they're in need. I just want him to bless me when I need him to bless me. 
you know, I got a water bill due next week and I need some money. I probably ought to go to church and see if somebody can lay hands on me. I, I, you know, I, I probably ought to do this or ought to do that, not knowing that you already have the keys to the heavenlies that will unlock financial blessing in your life if you'll just pay tithe and give to people who are in need. You see, God has given us these principles by which we are to live, and when we do, we'll be living in such a way that God's blessings can be upon us at all times. But I just want a little dab of God. I remember growing up, I grew up in an old traditional Pentecostal church, you know that. It's where all the weirdos attended, you know what I'm saying? You know, they'd shout their hair down, shout their clothes off. You know, the preacher, he'd dress all up for Sunday and he'd get, he'd get his tie on, get his shirt on, get his jacket on, put his, his, his shoes on and all that. And then we'd start preaching, he'd start undressing. Did you ever see anybody? And at first they start with the coat and they'd take it off, throw it. And then they take their tie and they undo it and they throw it. And then they take their hand and they mess their hair up real good and say, oh, do you feel what I'm feeling? That's the kind of church that I grew up in. They'd come in there, and boy, you didn't have church until you did all that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, I remember one night they decided that they were going to pray for everybody that needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now listen, you never invited your friends from school on Sunday night, the night that they were going to pray for people to get spirit-filled, because it could get just a tad bit crazy. You know what? And I I can remember one of my friends, he he said, I want to go to church with you, not tonight, dude. You got to go next week. You can't go to, why? Why can't I go tonight? Tonight's Holy Ghost night. You don't want to go tonight. Trust me when I'm telling you, go next week. I want to go. If it's going to get crazy, I want to be there. So he went with me and sure enough, you know, all all craziness broke out. I looked over at him. I was already filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, I looked over at him. I said, well, you want to get saved? You want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? He said, well, I might get saved. He said, but I don't think I want to go far enough to get that Holy Ghost just yet. (laughs) Do you ever know anybody like that? Are you filled with the Spirit? No, I'm not filled with the Spirit. Why not? Eh, it's a little bit weird. It's that zone right here where we want from Jesus what we want from Jesus instead of desiring what Jesus wants us to have. And so I want to tell you today that the best way that I know of that you can serve Jesus is to move out of this zone into the next zone, which I am calling Jesus plus. Amen. And so what's the difference between plus Jesus and Jesus plus? The difference is where Jesus is. You see, before the plus was in front of Jesus, which meant that our needs is what pushed or, or, or moved the relationship. But when you take what I want and move it to the end, then what you're saying is, is Jesus, whatever you want for me is what I want for my life. You say, well, pastor, I'm going to have to have some scripture to back that up. Well, thank you for asking. I don't mind providing that. There's a scripture that says, seek ye first. Look at your neighbor and say, first. First means first. Look at him and say, first means first. One comes before two. How many of you know that? 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? All the things that you're seeking for. Everything that you need in your life. Everything that you need to survive and and to thrive in life. Everything that will bring abundance into your life. The scripture says, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things shall be added unto you. What does that mean? That means I don't have to worry where my next meal is going to come from. I don't have to worry where my next dollar is going to come from. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to live or die. Because if I live, I'm going to be healthy. And if I die, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm mad at somebody. Because the Bible says that if I will forgive them, uh, that our relationships can be brought together. Danny texted me the other day, Wednesday, and he said, hey, Connie and I got caught up in this uh, in this project at the house today, and we're tired, and we're not going to be able to make it to church tonight. He said, would you forgive me? And I texted him back, and I said, I'll forgive you 490 times today. I didn't have to forgive him that many times. Really, it only took one time because I have learned that rather than pushing the envelope, why should I require somebody to to ask forgiveness 490 times when I can decide on the very first time? I'm not going to take offense to this. I refuse to let offense live in me. So therefore, consider yourself forgiven. Let's fist bump, hug necks, kiss each other on the cheek, and let's go on down the road. Amen. I wasn't mad at him in the first time. If I could have stayed home Wednesday night, I'd have done the same thing. But my wife said, you're the pastor and you've got to go. Some of us just have some people that we need to forgive. When you live in this zone where we say, all right, Jesus wants me to forgive everyone who's ever offended me, then you will live in that way. What I'm trying to say is if you'll just not move Jesus, Jesus, if you'll notice on every one of these slides, Jesus was right smack dab in the middle. The only thing that changes how Jesus operates is where we put the signs uh, that pertain to our life. I can choose to reject him. I can choose to say, no way, Jose, it's not going to work. I can choose to put my plus in front of Jesus, or I can choose to say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, and therefore I put put you first before everything else in my life and I'm not going to worry because everything is going to be all right. Amen. Last week, my wife, you know, I I told her, I said, I hate to tell you this, baby. I said, but we got to do some house on that that house in Cleveland before we can final on the sale. And I said, we got to hire these guys to do this. There's two of them. One of them wants this amount and One of them looked at that amount and she looked at me and she said, we don't have it. She said, we're flesh just just out of money that's available. She said, we can't can't do it. I said, we got to do it because if we don't do it, we can't sell the house. We can't close on it. So we got to do it. She said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, but it ain't my problem. I said, it's God's problem. 
She looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And I said, have we not paid our tithe? Yes, sir. Do we not give every opportunity that we have to give? Yes, sir. I said, then it's God's problem. Because God said, if we'll bring out all the tithe into the storehouse in his name, that he will open the heavens of window and bless us. He said, she said, how do you think he's going to do that? I said, I don't know, but I'm not worried about that either. Because he's very creative in the ways that he can bless his people. We were supposed to have the money on Friday. And come Friday, we still didn't have the money. But the laborers called and they said, it's pouring down rain down here in Tennessee. And we can't do the job today. And so you don't have to pay us today because we won't get done till next week. I said, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Came Monday and I thought, well, I know we don't get paid till Friday. So God, you've been creative once. You're going to have to be creative a few more times before Friday. And then all day, you know, I could go through this whole story, but I'll tell you, we didn't have to pay them Monday. We didn't have to pay them Tuesday. We didn't have to pay them Thursday. We didn't have to pay them Friday. We just, God took care of the problem. And what I'm trying to tell you today is, is that when you put Jesus first in your life, he will add everything that you need in your life, not only to just barely get by and survive, but he will help you to thrive in the abundance of the Lord. Come help me quit, if you will, singers. I'm going to quit this morning. Somebody look over and say, it's a, it's a day of miracles. <laughs> See, here's what I'm trying to get through to you today. You are going to have to make some choices in your life as it pertains to Jesus. Jesus doesn't force you to believe on him. He gave, he gave all of mankind a will, a free will to choose. We can choose to accept him or reject him. We can choose to live our lives minus Jesus. We live our whole lives that way. And he will never force you to decide for him. But I would be remiss in my duties as a minister of the gospel if I did not tell you that if you choose to live that way, there will be judgment one day. There will be a time when all of us stand before the Lord and he will judge us according to the works of our hands on this earth. I can't choose for you. I can't make a decision for you. But you know, the good thing about it is, is that you can choose to follow Christ. You can choose to decide to follow him all of the days of your life. And I promise you that when you do, he will never let you down. He will always supply what you have need of in your life. It may be that there's some individuals in this house today that you're kind of just flirting with God. I go to church every now and then. Every now and then I'll just show up and pastor. I'll make sure pastor knows I'm here. I'll wave at him. Hey, pastor, you don't have to call me any, anymore. You don't have to text me. I'm here today. And where's your book? Put it down. Listen, I'm not keeping score. I'm not trying to decide when you're here and when you're not. What I'm trying to get you to see is is that you can live in that zone where you say, I'm going to put me first. 
not going to put Jesus first. I'm going to put me first. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live how I want to live. And we'll see how it all turns out. Let me tell you, it won't turn out very well when you live in that zone because the Bible says that when God sees someone that's living a lukewarm lifestyle, he will will spew them out of his mouth. Do you know what that word spew means? It it, it means literally to regurgitate. It, It literally means to vomit you out. In other words, there will come a day when God will say, you know, you tried to fake your way through your entire life acting like you knew me. But I'm going to have to say to you today, depart from me because I never knew you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like that. I'm not that much of a gambler. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live minus Jesus. And I don't want to live a plus Jesus life. I want to invite you to do like I chose to do a long time ago. And that is to live a Jesus plus life. Where beginning today, you say for the rest of my life, I'm going to put Jesus first in every area of my life. And let me tell you, when you do that, the blessings of God will be poured out upon you in ways that you will not be able to contain them in this lifetime. God's blessings are abundant. God's blessings are amazing. You say, well, pastor, I'm afraid that I'll fail. You will. You'll probably fail before you get home today. Somebody Somebody will get in line at the buffet before you do. And you'll get all frustrated and upset. Say, see, I couldn't do it. Listen, the scripture says, the righteous man will fall seven times. But he'll get back up. Some of you just need to learn how to get back up. Some of you just need to stop being frustrated by your failings. And start saying, I'm not going to let this failure keep me down with the help of God I'm going to get back up again and I'll get back up again and I'll get back up again the other morning I was getting up I always I typically get up before Donna does and I try not to turn the lights on because I don't I don't want them to get in her eyes and that kind of thing and getting up and and I'm ready to put my pants on you know and and when you get my age that can be that can be a a difficult thing to accomplish sometimes. How many of you people can say amen to that? I got my britches and I kind of flipped them out, you know, so that all the wrinkles get out. And I got my right foot down in there and I did pretty good. Get them up. I'm trying to be quiet, trying to do it in the dark. I went to raise my left foot and when I did, I lost my balance. I fell back against the closet door. Bang! Slid down the closet door. Into the floor. The dog came running. Donna sat up. 
What's the matter? What'd you do? You okay? You what? 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 Said I'm okay. I just missed the hole and I fell. But I'm not going to stay down here. I'm going to get back up. And I got back up. And guess who won the battle of the pants? I did. I just kept on trying until finally my foot came through the hole at the bottom. I said, I'm victorious in the name of Jesus. And you know what? The next morning when I had to put my pants on, I didn't even think about when I failed the time before. I just put my pants on like I always do. And I put them on the next day. And I put them on the next day. And I put them on the next day. I could have gotten up every morning and said, oh, I hope I can get these pants on. I, you know, I've not always been able to do that. I may fail again today. I may not be able to get that leg down in there. And if I get one leg in, I might not be able to get the other one in. And so maybe I ought to just stop trying. Listen, you'll be awfully glad that I did not give up on putting my pants on. Amen. I got up every day and I put my pants on just like I knew that I could. For some of you, you've fallen. Some of you, you've made mistakes. Some of you have made poor decisions. But let me tell you today, when you live Jesus plus, you can stand back up and know that your sins will be forgiven and that He will walk those miles with you set your feet on a firm foundation will you stand with me this morning prayer team come if you will as we close today we're going to give you an opportunity to come for prayer if there's anyone in this house today you've never taken the opportunity to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life I want you in just a moment after I pray for the congregation I want you to come and speak to one of these individuals and let them pray with you today and lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ maybe that some of you have made some poor decisions and you you need some assurance today that God is still on your side that he loves you I want you to come and let you let them pray for you you may need healing in your body You may need a financial touch today. You need to have the joy of your salvation restored to you. Whatever it is that you have need of, these individuals want to pray with you today. And after I have prayed, if you need prayer, I want you to come and let them pray with you. For the remainder of you, you can be dismissed this morning. And I pray that you'll have a wonderful day and that you'll remember that Jesus Christ is alive and well, and he wants to live in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live among us, to give us an example through which we could live. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross at Calvary, but that you rose again three days later. Thank you, Lord, that today is a day to celebrate your resurrection. I pray for every individual that came to this house today to celebrate. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch them and minister to them. If they need to begin a relationship with you and start walking with you today, that you would convict their heart and draw them to you. Lord, for those who knew 
at one time what it was to walk with you, but somehow they fell and and for whatever reasons, they just couldn't find their way back. Lord, I pray today that you will touch them and draw them by your spirit. Lord, whatever their needs are today, I pray that you will supply them. I ask it in Jesus' name and I thank you, Lord, that you love each and every one of us with an endless and everlasting love. Touch your people today. I ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen and amen. Now, if you need prayer this morning, would you find your way out of your seat to the front and let these individuals pray with you? Otherwise, you can be dismissed. God bless you. Have a happy Easter and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today. God bless you.